T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. When you go into your favorite coffee shop, what do you hear? Perhaps it's the steam wand gurgling some plant-based milk for an overly complicated latte, or baristas yelling out the multiple orders of those complex beverages to confuse cafe patrons who just need their caffeine or sugar fix. Maybe it's coffee fiends chatting with their friends, or they're on a business call in the lobby area to break away from the mundane outside world. If you're at certain stores, though, you may see a picket line filled with signs and chanting for workers' rights. This week on WBBM's In-Depth, we look at the recent move in unionization across Chicagoland in coffee shops. I'm Lizzie Baumgartner. A lot of us go to get our daily caffeine fix at different coffee shops. Some are more popular than others, regional and nationally, and these businesses bring people together. Starbucks prides itself on, you know, the community that it is able to create with fostering the third place environment. That's Steve Henson. He's a nine-year partner at Starbucks. Partners, by the way, is what the company uses instead of employee in reference to their baristas. He used to live in Illinois in Lamont, a south suburb of Chicago, and moved to Kansas City, Missouri two years ago. His Starbucks store, Country Club Plaza in KC, closed last week after a short notice from their district manager. I had no idea. There was nothing going on. It was just a normal day. And I I worked from 7.30 a.m. until, you know, about 3.15 p.m. until after I heard that the shift supervisor meeting was canceled. The store manager and the other ASMs brought me and another shift supervisor into the back room and said, we're actually going to close early today. Um, We'll be closing today at 3.30 p.m. And I was like, okay. Um, And we were just kind of confused. And then they informed us that this will be the final time that we will be open. This will be our time that we close forever. These will be the last customers that we have. And this store will be closed permanently. Just like that, we, like the shift supervisor that was in the back room with me, look, we shared eye contact that was just like, what in the world happened? Like how? And there was no further explanation. Um, so the managers proceeded to, um, you know, one of them went to the front door, one of them went to the side door and the other one Asked customers to, you know, finish up and please leave because we're actually closed. And 
immediately after that, we had a meeting with the temporary district manager, Trina Cruz, um, while our main district manager is um, taking a year long um, leave of absence from the company, or coffee break as Starbucks calls it. Um, so as all of this is happening, the baristas have no idea what's going on. They were not just informed. They were not just brought into the back room. They were just still working as normal. They're like, why are we closing? Like, should I continue, you know, wiping out the fridges? Can I, should I start doing the floors? <laughs> and I see a piece of paper on top of our pastry case that they're about to post on the door that says, you know, good afternoon customers. You know, as of today, this store will be permanently closed at 3.30 p.m. I'm reading that and I hand it to the barista next to me and <laughs> she reads it and looks, she just bursts into tears and hands it to another barista and they burst into tears. And it's like the world, we have no idea what's happening in this moment. Like, and it's happening right now. <laughs> um, no, no prior warning, no mention of it whatsoever. A few months ago, Henson's store started talking about unionizing. When voted on, though, it was a 50-50 split. Some wanted to go forward with creating a union, and others didn't. Since we are a family, it's hard when, you know, someone's saying one thing and then someone's saying another thing, and it's completely on the opposite spectrum. Um, so there were people strongly advocating for a union within our store, baristas, shift supervisors alike, and then... Um, you know, there was the corporate end of it where they were sending newsletters and, you know, encouraging management um, to completely dismiss and try to squash this idea of a union being a good idea. And um, just like kind of being in the middle of the polar opposite scenario created a lot of tension and confusion within our store. We reached out to a Starbucks spokesperson about the partner's actions and if it contributed at all to the store's permanent closing. They did not want to be recorded, but did send us a written statement concerning the store's closing. Quote, we regularly open and close stores as a standard part of our business operations. We apply the same focus on safety at unionized and non-union stores and are closing non-union stores where we are similarly challenged in providing a safe environment for our customer and partner experience. On Sunday, August 14th, to be exact, I was at work when I heard 10 gunshots fired right next to our store, like right outside the wall. Um, turns out that two groups of teenagers were shooting at each other as one of them pulled into our parking garage or our parking lot nearby. And our um, ASM in training was in store at the time and called our store manager who instructed her to call the police who didn't even file a police report. So we were kind of waiting for direction on what to do next and that direction never came. So as employees of the store, we just continued doing what we were doing and closing the store. And we ended up staying two hours late to finish everything that needed to be done and left around 9.30 PM that night um, and walked to our cars without like any sort of police escort or anything like that, even though the investigation for that shooting was still ongoing. So 
taking all of that <laughs> um, to heart the night I got home, I was afraid to return to work the next day. Um, and I was on the schedule at 7.30 in the morning and I had called right when they opened and informed the shift on duty at the time of what had had just happened the day before. She had no idea. Um, neither did any of the employees that showed up to work that day. Um, there was a message posted in the store that day after people had shown up and had no idea a crime scene was just, had just taken place in our parking lot, um, which was kind of a shock. Like, I think it would be, you know, courteous to tell the employees what had just happened in their parking lot the night before. Um, so that didn't happen. And I said, I wasn't comfortable coming into work that day. Turns out I, you know, really struggled with anxiety and almost PTSD after that scenario, knowing that I'm a person in charge, a key holder, a shift supervisor at this store, and there's not really any security precautions or anything in place for if you, there is gunfire or a shooting that happens. We just continue going about our business and closing as normal. That didn't sit well with me and it didn't put me in a position where I felt comfortable enough to you know, protect the other employees that were in the store. A lot of these employees are, you know, right out of high school or still in high school. And, you know, this is way beyond the scope of someone who's paid barely above, you know, minimum wage as a shift supervisor. So I decided I'm not coming in for the rest of the week until something gets sorted out, something is in place so that when I come to work, I know what to do. The spokesperson says they are offering transfers to two other stores that are close in proximity to the now shuttered shop. When asked about why the country club Starbucks was closed with a short notice, they declined to comment concerning their decision. After I said what I needed to say beforehand, I promptly walked out. But I, before that, I just went around the table and gave everyone a hug. Everyone that I had worked with these past few months or even like this past year, um, cause I didn't know if I was going to see them again, you know, at this location or in a, at another location or, you know, ever to be quite honest, um, because this was just so abrupt. We didn't get a chance to say goodbye to everyone. So I just, you know, gave everyone a hug that was there. The nine people that sat around that table. The Chicago and Midwest Joint Board of Workers United says that of the 19 Starbucks stores that have closed over the last few months, 42% of them had organizing activity. The recent store closures represent only 0.2% of almost 9,000 stores in the country. The coffee giant closed the storefront in Seattle on the same day and same time as the plaza location. Workers at the Seattle store had also filed for union elections. We're talking a lot about unions, and perhaps you may have heard of one for police, plumbers, or even your local jewels. But to define it clearly, the U.S. Department of Labor describes it as, a labor union is an organization formed by workers in a particular trade, industry, or company for improving pay, benefits, and working conditions. Brett Lyons, a business representative for IBEW Local 12, spoke in depth about how they operate as well. So 
a union is not a third party. Companies will often tell you that a union is a third party that's just trying to, to interfere and, and take your hard-earned money to bargain on your behalf. That's not what it is. The union is brought in to help work with and be part of the workforce. We are made up of the employees. We have stewards. We have a bargaining committee. We have executive boards that are all made up of our members. A union is simply uh, a collection of other individuals to help raise uh, the, the, the living conditions of those they, they work with. So what we come in to do is we help bargain contracts, we help fight disciplines, we help with any other kind of, uh, you know, issues at work, whatever it may be, it could be a termination, could be something as simple as a misinterpretation of language. The union is there to help work with the employees and we're made up of the employees. So there is no third party going on here. Uh, Zoe can tell you that since we've been doing bargaining, uh, you know, the, the input of the members is the most important thing because if you work for the union, you might not be at any one uh, shop all the time. We have many different shops that we represent here with local 1220. So Zoe's input and the input of the workforce that she works with, they're the most valuable asset that we have to bargain the best contract because who knows it better than the employees who, who work there. Chicago is known for being a union town with their continuing support for workers' rights since the 1800s. Have you ever seen a blown up rat on the side of the road with workers and signs? Those are different union workers striking along with their mascot, Scabby the Rat. With a short primer on unions, we jump back into Illinois, Chicago specifically, where another Starbucks store is shouting for union representation. Emily Alamo is a barista at a Starbucks store in Edgewater, a neighborhood of the city on the far north side. She says the store is only a couple years old, but has a lot of customer traffic throughout the day. At first, we had like so many people that worked at our store and nobody was being scheduled. And then now we're at the point where nobody works there and everyone is like at their max capacity hours, but they're refusing to hire more people saying that like, we're already at capacity. We're already we're adequately staffed when like anyone with eyes in that store can see that we're not staffed, like customers comment on it. While Starbucks corporate states that closures happen often and are not due to unionization, they say that they, quote, support partners' rights to organize as well as give them what they need to make a choice in terms of information from leadership about union practices and Starbucks views on the topic, unquote. Since the strike, they really kind of didn't do anything in return after the strike. I mean, they started being a little nicer to us. And like one of the days immediately following the strike, our DM was on the floor, like behind the bar, helping us make drinks, which is something we've never seen. But besides that, nothing changed. So we have been in the process of planning um, an action called a March on the Boss, where we basically kind of catch our district manager off guard and like, hey, we need to chat in the back room and kind of give her this petition, a letter like laying out clearly the demands and also a deadline where we, we want to see proof that you've been working towards these demands. Otherwise, we'll strike again. And we're kind of in the 
talks of like having that be an indefinite strike until these demands are in the process of being met. Um, but she's ghosting us. So we haven't been able to execute this plan at all. And last Friday, Alamo marched on the boss in her Starbucks store. When she came to work on Monday, August 29th, she was given a write-up plus a final warning before termination. She staged a strike with her fellow partners in the store the next day. Aside from one of the largest national coffee chains, other regional coffee places have seen unionization successes. My name is Zoe Mjolnir. I use she, they pronouns. And um, I was a former organizer at Collectivo, and I've been doing some contracted work with uh, the IBW 1220. And my name's Jordan Parshall. I use he, him pronouns. Uh, and I am a shift lead at Intelligentsia Coffee in Chicago. On August 8th, Intelligentsia Coffee employees won their election to join Local 1220. Over 90% of the votes were in favor of organizing with the union, says Local 1220's press release about the results. Five Chicago storefronts and the roasting warehouse are included in this. However, the road to unionizing wasn't simple. So... Uh... Uh, management uh, of Intelligentsia rolled out a, a campaign of anti-union rhetoric that was very similar to, you know, what you might expect um, that to look like. Uh, their tagline for it was be curious. Um, and so they told us to be curious about our benefits and to be curious about our health care and to be curious about our wages and all of those things, um, which um, is a message that I can totally get behind. Um, and one reason why I'm so curious, one reason why I want to union is because I've been curious about my wages and benefits and how I can uh, make those more concrete. Uh, but regardless, um, they sent out a few flyers about, you know, be curious, you know, kind of casting doubt on what a union or a contract could really do. Um, and then they brought us to a meeting uh, to sort of, you know, give us uh, a re this rhetoric, um, closed our cafes early to do it. So, you know, we couldn't collect tips, which isn't very great. <laughs> um, and, uh, um, uh, you know, we get to this meeting and uh, they tell us um, that, they have to read from a script in order to uh, have a script of the meeting that they can give to the NLRB. And they can, uh, which was um, just incredible to me because, uh, you know, they told us be curious this whole time. And then it's, we can't take any questions uh, during this meeting. Uh, thank you. Please don't unionize <laughs> to that effect. Um, so, uh, but, you know, I feel as though Intelligentsia is, as you say, it's not independently owned. Um, so, you know, we take a lot of pride in our company, but ultimately it is owned by uh, uh, a holding company. And so that just means that uh, management is always directed sort of to uh, chase profit first. And these holding companies always view unions as bad for their profitability. 
Um, and so it, it was kind of unfortunate with some of my managers, I could kind of see the life coming out of their eyes as they were giving this anti-union spiel, <laughs> um, you know, because maybe they didn't even believe it, but they're just being told by the holding company that owns us that unions are bad and we need to avoid them. So um, yeah, that, that was kind of the vibe that I got. The holding company, Partial Mentions, also owns corporate shop Pete's Coffee. However, they aren't involved with talks about unionizing. While Intelligentsia baristas are accepted into the local union, there are still more steps that need to be taken in order to have the changes they're demanding. Here's Brett Lyons again. We're in the bargaining process right now, so this is going to take as long as it's going to take. It might take a little bit longer, being that it's a first agreement, because you have to work out all the uh, specifics and set up the whole structure going forward. There is an approval part that we will need the membership to what's called ratify the agreement that this works for them. So we'll go to the table, we'll bargain a contract with the members that the union and the bargaining committee, which is made up of the members, feel is the best agreement that can be bargained at this time. We'll take it back to the general membership for a vote. And then depending on whether or not it passes that ratification vote, we'll give it a seal of approval and it'll be good to go. If it's not good to go, we'll go back to the table and we'll continue working until uh, an agreement that can be approved is uh, is ratified by the membership. Um, depending on the situation, that timetable will usually give about a week or so so that employees have a chance to read the literature, talk with one another, discover whether or not this works or maybe there's something that needs to be adjusted. Um, earlier this year, uh, Local 1220 was on strike at WTPW. And when we got to the agreement that we thought was gonna be as good as it's ever gonna get, that night we had an emergency Zoom meeting, started a ratification vote online and it was due the next day by noon. So that was like a 12 hour window. So that was, but we were on strike at that point. So it was very urgent. So depending on the situation, we, we have no intention of going on strike or anything with either of these coffee chains right now. That's an extreme example, um, but the ratification could take anywhere, you know, from a week uh, to a week and a half. The bargaining itself is going to go as long as it goes. We, we hope for the sake of the membership that that's sooner than later. The company probably does as well. They don't want to keep paying attorneys to uh, take up their time and their valuable assets as well. But progress is being made with Collectivo and we're encouraged in the direction that we're headed so far. Coffee unions aren't new. In 2017, New York-based Give Me Coffee stated that they wanted a union and was able to ratify their first contract a year later says Sprudge, a popular coffee magazine. Milwaukee-based Stone Creek Coffee also joined the movement in 2019. Citing their reasons behind the choice was due to a lack of consistent scheduling, low wages, and lack of communication from management. However, the votes to join a Wisconsin union was 38 to 52. The owner of Stone Creek, Eric Resch, said in an NPR interview that to address the concerns his employees had, he held meetings to learn what needed to change and implemented the feedback he was given. Another Wisconsin-based coffee shop, Collectivo Coffee, expanded over the last few years into the Chicago area. But in 2021, in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, there was a cry from workers for demands. Well, in a way, the pandemic, I think, um, kind of gave us training wheels because everybody was getting on Zoom. So talking over distance was... Um, 
starting to become much more commonplace. So we held all of our meetings via Zoom. And so there were people who I had been talking to for like two years about all of our uh, like union organizing and hadn't met in person because they were a worker who was up in Milwaukee. So um, in a way, I think that it was not fortuitous that it was during the pandemic, but um, it could have been, I think, a lot harder. And um, it, that at least like kind of gave us some, um, yeah, I guess the training wheels. Collectivo's management hired professionals who specialize in this type of law to handle the unionization efforts internally. During the meetings, it was say like a lot of new people are if they sat down everybody at the company, but in like small meetings. And so I was the only person who was a union organizer in mind. So I felt like I had to be the person who spoke up when he's saying, oh yeah, like people like unions are like way down and there's really low membership and they're like at an all time low. And I could be like, well, I mean, couldn't that be because a lot of companies and corporations are shifting jobs overseas to find cheaper labor who are like not protected workers. And so that's taking away jobs from people who are previously unionized. Couldn't that be a thing that would be true? Um, mm -hmm. He'd be like, oh, well, um, like got really flustered. And so it was, yeah, it was very interesting to kind of have these um, union investors come in and talk to us. There was a lot of one-on-one -on -one meetings like owners would take people aside. Um, all sorts of stuff. They would send out emails all of the time that um, they had ones where it's like, all of these people have like left the company who are part of the organizing committee. And some of us were fired, some of us were let go. Some of us have like had to leave because of like moving with family. And they painted it as like, we're not there to support the rest of the workforce when a lot of us had been let go at this point pretty much determined like illegally um, because of union busting. That was one of the reasons I was let go um, was obviously because I was an organizer. And um, so another union busting tactic that was used. Uh, they made posters that got sent out. There'd be videos done by the owners. It was, it really ran the whole gamut. It was a lot. It was very overwhelming and very draining for a very long time. And it, uh, it was hard for sure. I think that having uh, a way to communicate back in terms of our um, Instagram account really helped. So that I think helped kind of galvanize us in the other way. And sometimes these meetings honestly worked against their favor where people would come out of it who were not pro-union and then would listen to these meetings and come out and be like, that was gross what just happened in there. I'm, I'm going for the union now if they were undecided before. So it kind of, sometimes they're, really heavy-handed tactics kind of work against them. The Madison-based coffee company is currently the largest U.S. coffee union. While there are a few routes when it comes to unionizing or to not, one question does stand out. What about the turnover? Typically, fast-casual fast food cafe restaurants will often have consistent and sometimes high turnover rates. Some of these jobs employ high school and college students who may only stay during certain intervals. People who are job hoppers, those who have multiple gigs to make ends meet, and other niche area workers who are simply needing to work to survive. Molnar says she believes a union store would curb those turnover rates. I mean, I think that that was definitely something that was an obstacle we hit while organizing was very high turnover rate, as just kind of happens within the service industry. 
um, but especially during a pandemic. Um, so that was something that was uh, definitely something that we had to overcome during organization. Um, but I think that at least I'm hoping that with a contract, it'll create a much more stable workplace so that people want to stay there and there's benefits and reasons to stay at a position. And it won't feel like, oof, this is like uncomfortable. I'm going to jump ship and find something else until you just find like the lesser of all of the evils from the places you've worked. I'm hoping that this becomes like a safe space and a place that people want to work forever. Because that was something when I first applied to Collectivo that they were really big on is like, we have employees stay here for a long time. And I'm really hoping that with this union contract, that will just be exponentially better and people can turn it into a career because a lot of people love working in the service industry. It can be a great place to work. And especially if you have job protections and benefits guaranteed by a contract, like that's just going to make your situation better. And Partial's perspective. You know, ask people to think about, you know, how much they tip or how much a bartender makes compared to a barista. You know, and both a barista and a bartender um are um both serving this like beverage that doing beverage service and uh, creating uh this thing that we all love and you know some of us are partially reliant on <laughs> right uh but there's just such a vast differential in the amount of respect that a bartender gets versus a, what a barista gets um and i think um unionizing our coffee shops is one way that you know, we can sort of uh, write a love letter to our own jobs and say, this is something that we really love to do and making coffee and starting someone's day. This is something that we really want to turn into a career. Um, and absolutely, turnover has been an obstacle in organizing, but more importantly, it's an obstacle in our day-to-day -day work lives. Uh, the fact that our employer our coworkers are, are constantly coming and going and leaving uh, and they're constantly having to train in and work with new people when we're trying to refine the craft of making coffee uh, in our cafes. Um, uh, and so, yeah, turnover and just like the amount of respect that uh, we can get at our jobs um, has heavily influenced um, us uh, to want to unionize at Intelligentsia. With recent protests, strikes, closing, and vocal discourse about Starbucks policies on how they treat their partners, coffee unions are a hot topic. The overarching message from corporate coffee leaders is similar to Starbucks. Quote, We are listening and learning from the partners in these stores as we always do across the country. From the beginning, we've been clear in our belief that we are better together as partners without a union between us, and that conviction has not changed. We respect our partners' right to organize and are committed to following the NLRB process, unquote. All of these places are social situations where people can sit, sip, and chat about anything they want to and for some type of human connection, even for a minute. And that's something every barista we spoke to has in common. Yet, it is also a reason why some braces are unsure about what unionizing means overall for the impact on the coffee culture. Here's Steve Henson again. From my perspective, I don't really know what a union might look like at Starbucks. I don't really know if that might have been the right answer for our store. Maybe it is for some and not others. Who knows? But all I know is that 
partners have the option to do something or do nothing. And the only option they had in this in this case was to do something, which was, you know, try to begin a union. And that was really the only choice they had because going to corporate, corporate would, you know, consider our decision and then completely ignore it. Um, they weren't really hearing us out the way that we needed to be heard. So the only other option here would be, you know, to try to have a union organization vouch for us. And that was their only option. So I really do commend the Starbucks Country Club Plaza team for trying for that. And um, the fact that it ended in a tie, <laughs> it was so close. I wish they could have gotten more people on board to vote. And I wish it would have been less of a hostile environment. I think that's why a lot of people were just like, I'm not gonna be a part of this. Y'all are, you know, red and blue like i don't want to be green party in the middle of this so i don't want to partake because yeah it was just it was just very very tense so i mean i'll admit it i didn't vote i was thinking about it but i didn't want to because i was made so i was made to feel so unsure you know there were all the baristas saying yes we need a union because when we do we'll do this this and this and then on the other hand, there's the store manager saying a union would not be good for Starbucks because of this, this, and this. And I'm like, now what? Like I'm torn in the middle because I kind of can understand both sides of it all. And it would be a little bit more complex with the union. It wouldn't be as simple, I guess, but, and it, you know, wait times for, you know, elections and things of those natures to pass. Like, it would take a long time before anything happens. But I guess that's better than never, like never changing anything at all. <laughs> so uh, they they tried and then Starbucks, you know, closed them down. It's a shame, but we we power through. Thanks for listening to this episode of WBBM In-Depth. We'll be back next week covering another headlining topic. Until then, subscribe to us on the Odyssey app, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts so you don't miss an episode. WBBM In-Depth is an original podcast production. It is produced, written, and edited by Lauren Brown and Lizzie Baumgartner with editorial direction by Lizzie Baumgartner. Reporting for this episode was done by Lauren Brown and Lizzie Baumgartner. Thanks for listening to WBBM In-Depth. I'm Lizzie Baumgartner. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.